Hey, hey, what's up, everybody? It's Sathya Sam here. Welcome to Unleash the Man Within. I'm so glad you guys are listening. Uh, today, we are interviewing Brian and Bonnie Pugh. And if you are a long-time listener, like a long, 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 long-time listener of the podcast, you may recognize that name because episode seven, the first interview we ever released was with Brian and Bonnie. We talked about healthy sexual relationships with them. And they uh, they really, I mean, they just, they crushed this area. They're so fantastic. And th- here we are, this is episode 495. So I figured it was about time we got them back on here. When we interviewed Brian and Bonnie a couple of years back, they were really focused on the individual. So they were, they were teaching the individual and equipping them to have healthy sexual relationships. And in the last year and a half, they've pivoted to really focus on actually equipping local churches with resources to equip their people to have healthy sexual relationships. So they've gone for more of a kind of, I guess, global approach, you could put it that way, not global like as in around the world, although that's part of it, but more global like just moving a little bit higher up the chain to reach more people. And they've been very successful. Their approach is incredibly biblical, very easy to understand. Uh, they don't mince words. And at the same time, they're just so kind and gentle that you really, um, you really can trust them. And I am, I'm so excited to share this interview with you. Um, it is definitely still in the scope of healthy sexual relationships. And I think, you know, there's no shortage or there's no, um, there's no end to the need for these kinds of conversations. But, um, but we do talk about some different subjects that we didn't cover in the, in the original one. So I think you're really going to enjoy it. So um, without further ado, guys, enjoy. This is my interview with Brian and Bonnie Pugh. So here's the million dollar question. How are men like us who work hard, have good motives and a God-given purpose supposed to fulfill the calling on our lives and the dreams in our hearts, all while establishing sexual integrity, thriving relationships, and a meaningful connection with God? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Sathya Sam. Welcome to Unleash the Man Within. All right. Well, I'm here with some of my longest standing friends actually in this space, Brian and Bonnie Pugh. And you guys might have been one of the first interviews we had on the podcast way back when. I think I interviewed you before I even made the podcast. I think it was just like this like step of faith. So it's really cool to have you guys back again. Welcome. Hey, it's so great to be with you, bro. We just love what you're doing and and love the the relationship we have. So so maybe we can catch some of our listeners up to speed, those who didn't hear the first interview. Uh, we won't go into everything. They can obviously go back and listen. But um, you guys are really all about, I, I mean, the, the thing that I always associate with you guys is just like healthy sexual relationships. And that takes on many different flavors. Uh, you guys are reaching people in a lot of different ways, which we'll get into. But as a starting point, why are you guys so passionate about the subject? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, yeah, we say that we're really about helping people find wholeness in the areas of sexuality and relationships and identity. Um, Those things are, they're just so intertwined. And we just find that, you know, within the, especially the church sphere for too long, uh, I think it was just the talk about sexuality was just limited to a list of do's and don'ts, Yeah, you know, and it, uh, you know, if you've been around the church space, then, you know, you know, within the nineties, there was purity culture that just then brought a lot of shame. And then, and then you, head into marriage. And then you're like, wait, what? Sex is good. This is God's Mm -hmm. idea. So our ministry really isn't about, you know, isn't like, we just want to make sure you have your best sex life ever. That's, (laughs) that's not our focus, but it is about talking about 
the things that happen in the in your past that often will bring shame, which will mm-hmm. distort your identity and distort your relationships. And so really just trying to help the church start that conversation because without it, we just see a lot of people kind of stuck in slavery. Yeah. yeah. Not feeling like they're children of God, feeling like they're slaves trying to earn a place at the table. And mm-hmm. yeah, so that's yeah. why we want to focus on it. Yeah, it's amazing. And I think uh, I think a lot of people listening probably do resonate with like the the purity culture, the list of the do's and don'ts, you know, don't have sex before marriage, but then it gets amazing. Suddenly, like the switch just yeah. is supposed to flip and it, it gets really good. Um, but you used an interesting word, uh, Bonnie, you said wholeness, like wholeness in this area of sexual health or sexuality. Can you guys like cast a bit of vision for when somebody is walking in wholeness in this area of their life? What exactly does that look like? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think we try to be really purposeful in our language um, that we're gospel centered. And so when we say that, um, you know, the, the gospel it deals with our past, deals with our present, deals with our future, but also deals with who we are as people. We're integrated beings. We're body, soul and spirit. And when we don't yeah. when we don't get the gospel right in that Jesus came and lived the human experience, incarnation, God came you know, God with us, Emmanuel came and took on the the human experience. Mm-hmm. If we don't get that right, if we don't get some of the other aspects of the gospel right, we end up with just behavioral modification. So it's just about right. what you do with your body. It's not about what's going on inside of you and true, genuine wholeness. And if and I don't think the word purity is wrong, but it's just it 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 takes on a um, a connotation with it because of history. But true, genuine. Uh, you know, God honoring purity is always about the heart. You know what yeah. I mean? That's that's where God yeah. does his work is on the inside. Mm-hmm. And so we try to be really purposeful in that. Like that, that's where the wholeness is coming from is this, this healing in body, soul, and spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, thinking rightly, seeing God's design for these areas with with clear eyes um, and, and through his genuine heart for us um, and allowing that reality to wash over every part of our life. Yeah. Yeah. I totally yeah. agree. Go ahead, Bonnie. Sorry. Well, no, I was just going to say when you said like, what does it look like when someone is walking in that wholeness? Just like a really practical little moment I had with someone years ago where she was dealing with, um, I mean, it was honestly like, I think it was maybe 11, 12 years ago. And I I couldn't have even identified it at the time, but she actually was dealing with a sense of gender dysphoria. She was dealing with same-sex attraction. She, But then mixed into all that she was also dealing with like deep depression and confusion and even suicidal thoughts and so we really walked with her through a difficult season in her life but I remember one conversation we had late at night one night and she I remember she asked me because she could see that I was able to think clearly and peaceably and she Hmm. said to me what does it feel like to not be anxious Huh. And, I, and I was like, I don't know how to describe this. I said, <laughs> well, what does it feel like to not have a broken leg? Like, you don't really think about it. You're just like, I don't know. I'm able to do the things that I want to do. Like, I'm free, you know? Yeah. Um, and so when I think of what does it look like for people to walk in wholeness, it's like, what does it feel like to not be have a broken leg? Like, good. Yeah. And um, the way it was meant to be, you know, and that's Jesus bring mm-hmm. brought that to us. Like Brian was saying, it's yeah. it's a gift to us, not because we deserved it, but because we are able to gratefully receive it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think that's a really good way of putting it. The, it's an interesting word as well, like anxiety. I think a lot of people resonate with that. And I mm-hmm. think um, a lot of our deviations from some of the truths of the gospel have inevitably left us with a lot of anxiety about things like gender and orientation, sure. attraction, all that kind of stuff. And I want to get into that. But I, I guess before we get there, um, you guys are really passionate about the local church. And that's one thing I've really liked in what I've seen in your work lately is there's a very strong integration. We were talking before we even hit record that, you know, if we're going to see the narrative change here, especially in the church, it does really have to happen at a local church level. Mm-hmm. It's great to have all these kind of parachurch ministries and whatever, but the local church has to kind of latch on to this message of wholeness and everything that comes with it. Yeah. What are you guys observing in the local churches? Like, there's some stats out there that, you know, 7% of churches actually have a program to help people who are struggling with any kind of sexual issues. Like, people have heard the stats, they know all that, but you guys are on the ground. What are you guys observing? What are some of maybe the strengths that we see that we don't know about or mm-hmm. hear about? And what are some of the challenges that the local church is facing as well? Well, I think what we've seen in people who, in, in Christian leaders and and just faithful followers of Jesus who are willing to hold intention, uh, grace and truth, we see we see life transformation. Huh. You know what I mean? Like it's like I think you know some of the, one of the things I've I've said before is you look in church history, we've either fallen into one of two ditches where we think that we love people more than God, so we start crossing out scriptures that are really socially inconvenient. You know what I mean? Or we get in this other ditch where we become really activist minded and we are angry and we're protesting anything and everything with signs that are just, you know, really demeaning to people who would sin differently than we do, yeah. um, you know, right? And and so that's that's our two options. And I go, I think there's a third option that Jesus showed us that we can have a strong conviction in, in a sexual ethic yet still have compassion, patience, and and mercy and empathy for those who are struggling. Yeah. Um, and so when I see, I see a lot of that, I see a growing, mm-hmm. go- like, and this is why like we use the term gospel standard, because I think that's the reality of it, isn't it? Is that we're holding truth and grace at the same time, because that's who Jesus is. But also I see, I see an intimidation in a lot of people because of cancel culture, because of um, fear of being labeled unloving or, um, you know, a bigot or just hate filled. We're, we're afraid to talk about some of the things that the Bible is so clear about and, mm-hmm. and the spe- specifically the new Testament narrative and authors, they don't deviate from, they don't, they don't yeah. skirt around. They, they address head on, you know what I mean? And, um, so I see that as, as a, as a Canadian, I see that in our culture right now that that's, probably one of the hindrances is we're afraid uh, to to stand for truth and have conviction yet we're also in some pockets we're not marrying it with compassion at the same time so yeah yeah it's really well said um so okay you talked about holding grace and truth intention and uh i know like i think the grace thing people have really latched onto for better or for worse you know like there's grace for that and i think i think obviously there's a hyper grace movement and and my audience would be familiar with the dangers of that but um, I guess the one thing I would love to hear you guys talk about is the truth component. What are some of the truths that you feel like maybe are being thrown to the wayside or swept under the rug because they're a bit too uncomfortable and maybe people just lack that ability to actually hold grace and truth intentions. So they've erred on the grace side because it's more socially acceptable or what have you. Mm-hmm. What are some of the truths that you're like, no, these are like the, these are actually biblical and like, we do need to talk about them. Anything in particular? 
Yeah. I mean, I think it's amazing to me that the opening chapters of the Bible give us a huge like crash course in gender, in marriage, in mm-hmm. um, what sin does to our relationships. Mm. Uh, so I feel like there are there are truths all throughout. So we would say um, that gender is binary, that, yeah. you know, male and female, the Lord created them in his image. He created us. Yes. And and that covenant relationship of marriage is meant to be, as we read in Ephesians, like it's actually meant to be an earthly, kind of like the shadow on earth cast from a heavenly reality of Christ and his church, which is then a groom and a bride. And so I think that when we realize the eternal perspective of like the enemy coming after and trying to distort the male, female, coming together, the different coming together as one, that's actually attacking the Christ and his church, different Mm -hmm. coming together as one at the consummation of all time. So those are, I think, eternal things that we have to hold on to. And, and I would even say uh, one that doesn't get talked about often, but the value of children that we don't have to be contributing members of society in order to be um, treasured right? Like that we as an older generation actually need to sacrifice for the sake of the youngest and most vulnerable among us. Yes, I am talking about abortion. Um, (laughs) right. But like Jesus said, don't stop them from coming. Yeah. Let them come to me. Right. And we as a society have actually, I mean, we've cast down the weakest among us. Um, and then we, but then by the time they're in grade one, we say, make sure you don't bully anybody. (laughs) It's like, you just made it through the gauntlet. Like you being here in kindergarten in grade one, like you, you just survived the greatest bullying tactics of all. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. So I think those are some non-negotiables for us. And I know that that could get us some angry emails. Um, (laughs) but for the sake of a young generation, we feel like it's worth talking about, yeah. 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 I would I would also say too to something that's really been on my mind lately, I, I felt like God's been just depositing in me is the importance again, like we talked about the integration of body, soul, and spirit, but really really like how your body is like you're not a spiritual soulish being in a body. Like you biblically are a body. This is a huge part of who you are. Yeah. And where I see a major disconnect within uh christian discipleship is that we think that what we do with our body is somehow separate from our relationship and discipleship journey with jesus right because you know I mean? it's like i can go to church i can be on the worship team i can do all this stuff yet i'm you know well, hypothetically the worship leader she's sleeping with her boyfriend you know what i right. mean but like and they're just testing it out because they are going to be moving towards marriage you know what i mean and so it's like they're just wanting to get it out of the way see if it's going to be a good fit you know what i mean weird language i apologize but like you know it's just like (laughs) i know what you mean (laughs) you know like we're just like we're just gonna test we're gonna test drive this stuff and it's like well the bible actually doesn't doesn't give any leeway but somehow in your discipleship journey what you do with your sexuality is separate from your relationship with jesus it's like directly connected you know um and so I see that just as as one of the things that and I think some of that is reactionary to the purity culture. Um, yeah. But but I think we've we have swung from one ditch to the other, I would say, in that. And so that's where like I'm I've been lately just really trying to push on that, like 
Um, no, like Bible's really clear, you know, present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to him. You know yeah. what I mean? We don't, we don't create compartments in, in our lives where we say, this is just what I do with my body over here, but the rest is belongs to Jesus, you know? Well, yeah, I mean, even 1 Corinthians 6 says, flee sexual immorality for he who sins sexually sins against his own body, right? It's not exactly. against his soul or against 100%. his spirit. Yeah, um, I, th- I think that's a really strong point. So I, I guess my question in all of this would be like, the yeah, so the pendulum has maybe swung a bit too far. We've abandoned some truths. We're maybe a little bit too high on grace, not enough on truth. How do you bring the truths in um, in a way that that I guess... I don't know. I, I guess maybe that's even a question is like, what's the goal? Because I was going to say, how do you bring in truth in a way that people accept it? But that's not maybe necessarily the right goal, right? Like we're not just trying to trying to mm-hmm. tickle ears or trying to say things that people are happy to hear necessarily. Yeah. How do you how do you do this in a way that that honors the scripture and the integrity of the Bible? But then I guess is still like not afraid to present the truth, uh, yeah. knowing that you could upset some people along the way, but that also people need to hear it, right? Like some of these people are yeah. on a sinking ship and we might be the only life preserver yeah, they ever get to access. How do you, how do you do this? Well, what does it look like for you guys when you're equipping local churches? Yeah. Well, well I think like we are, I, I wouldn't necessarily say we're professionals at it. Like we're trying to fall forward in this. We're trying to grow <laughs> in this. Yes, you I know? can like, relate. I know what you mean. Yeah. And it's like, you know, I think we were talking before we hit record, like, some of what we do is just this equipping and trying to give people some, you know, easy to access tools. But some of what we do too is like, you know, ringing the fire, like the fire alarm, you know what I mean? We're trying to be in a, an alarm clock to, to the church. And so I don't know if we've necessarily done that perfectly, but I would say, I would say that people can sense when there's a brokenness in someone's heart, that they're not doing this to be, you know, a mic drop moment. You know what I mean? To like yeah. slam dunk on somebody like, um, yeah, I can't remember who it was, but it was like a old kind of revivalist. He's, he was spoken of that he was the only person who de- was seemed to deem seemed to be deemed fit to preach about hell because he couldn't do it without having tears in his eyes. Huh. And and I just go like, I think I think we need to have a brokenness in our heart um, that we do speak the truth with love. And love is not self seeking. Love is not self promoting. It's it's strictly about the betterment of the person, yeah. you know, and so um, so I think we're trying to do that the best we can. Yeah. Um, but I think that has to be has to be the core, the core of the matter. Yeah. And I and I think even like that was the way of Jesus is he would present truth. And and often it was even like cutting truth. Mm-hmm. But yeah. then if people rejected it and walked away, he would respect their choice. Yeah. So I feel like sometimes I will say listen, like if you want to be a follower of Jesus, like this is what he asks. If you don't want to be a follower of Jesus, like you're still welcome at my table, you know, yeah. like, <laughs> but this is just the truth, you know? And, and then we back that up with, yeah. you know, like with an invitation, with a conversation, with heartfelt, like, I hope you are well, you know, like, yeah. Um, but if we believe that truth sets people free, then we want to give it to people. If mm-hmm. we believe that the wages of sin is always death, yeah, then we will want to give truth to people. Yeah, you know, yeah. and and so it is actually a very kind thing to speak truth to people because it is the way out of the maze mm-hmm. that people yeah. are in. You know, yeah, yeah. I would say too, like, just I don't want to. 
if you get on my soapbox a little bit, but um, go for it, man. You go. But for I it. think I think um, I think we have to be very discerning. Like as as a pastor, as a Christian leader, you have to be discerning of what's going on mm-hmm. in the heart of the person that you're talking to, because like if you think that there's just one one approach all the time, then you're going to be that that resounding gong that's just like. And nobody's going to listen to you, right? You know, but um, you know, I, I heard somebody say recently that uh, mor- morality is always mandated, but maturity is always invitational, right? Mm, wow. So, like, if somebody's, you know, like if you're a Christian leader and somebody is digging their heels in on something that's a moral issue, then you, you've got to stand your ground. But if somebody's wanting to move towards uh, maturity and and they see that this this moral issue is is broken in their life yet they're wanting to move to maturity then we are gracious and we're patient you know like because God gives grace to the humble if we can see right. humility in someone that's a different approach than somebody who's hard-hearted and maybe needs to have a stronger conversation so you have to be very spirit-led you have to be very discerning um, because not everybody who is even asking questions is an activist. You know what I mean? Not everybody who's maybe just struggling is, is trying to sow um, deception into, you know, <laughs> into a faith community. You know what I mean? So yes. uh, I think pastorally speaking, you've got to be very discerning and, and, and try, to, try to be spirit-led in, in that and how to approach it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There's a lot of wisdom in that. I think that that was worth it just for the interview right there. That was really helpful, guys. Um, let let me ask a follow up to that. So uh, you're talking to you know, there's going to be a small pocket of listeners who are church leaders. They're either pastors, uh, they're on church staff, or maybe they even just lead a small group or something like that. Not to downplay that, but you know, just different levels yeah. of involvement as church leaders. Sure. But I would I would guess that probably a majority listening are not in a position of leadership at their church. They're in the pews and maybe they're hearing the message today and they're going, yes and amen, you know, like they agree with it, but there's, they know that like maybe at a leadership level, the church isn't ready to talk about it. Uh, Maybe the church doesn't even fully agree with it or they're still figuring things out. Uh, We're in Canada, so those stories are becoming very common. Um, what, what do you do if you're in the, if you're in the church and you want to do something about this and, um, you know, you want to see your local church maybe step into this more, but they're, they're not ready. Or as far as you can tell, um, you know, they're, maybe they're in a different direction or, or whatever it might be. What, what would be a a wise way or a mature way to handle a situation like that? Yeah, I would, I would really recommend that regardless of how long you've, you know, been at that church. Or if you have a close relationship with, you know, leaders there, you just make a call and go have mm-hmm. a sit down conversation and, and just say like what, I mean, you could ask questions like, what is the church's stance on some of these issues? Hmm. What is the plan on how to, like, do you guys have a strategy? Have you guys been talking about this on how to bring this conversation, integrate this conversation for the sake of the congregation? Mm-hmm. Um, like, yeah. what's your, is there a strategy? Do you have classes do you have connection to counselors? Like just ask some of those questions to be able to see where they're at and maybe, you know, make a gentle appeal to mm-hmm. say like, I really think this is crucial. I think this is, mm-hmm. if we're going to reach the next generation, if we're going to walk in, in wholeness as a church, like I would really love to see more content. You yeah. know, I think other than, you just got to have a vulnerable conversation Yeah, and don't be afraid to appeal more than once. Like pastors are really busy 
you know? Yeah. And so they're working really hard on a lot of things. You know, we, you know, we're passionate sexuality, preach it all the time. But we understand like the Bible's full of a lot of other themes that yeah. need addressed. And that's what a lot of pastors are thinking about. So don't be afraid to follow yeah. up with conversations and yeah. 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 And I, and I think pastors are viewed and, and again, it kind of depends on like the size of the church that you're at. Cause it's like some churches have just staff on staff on staff. And it's like, they have True. a lot of people who can handle a lot of different things, but if you're in a smaller church context, like the pastor's doing everything, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. And, and so I would, I would go a conviction of mine. And I, I heard it when I was younger and it's just always kind of resonated with me. If you always are bringing, if you're bringing an issue up to a leader, try to have two or three solutions in, in the hopper to say like, mm. Hey, th this is something I see that we could do. So this is going to require some prayer and seeking God, seeking out other counsel, maybe looking at what other churches are doing, having a couple ideas to say, hey, I, I think we need to go this way. I see this is something that's that's a deficit in our in our community here, but we could do this, this or this. Do I have the freedom to go and explore a little bit more on some of these issues? Or do you want to just do you want me just to leave it with you and you're going to run with it or, you know, right? And just but yeah. I, I would always encourage somebody to be prayerfully seeking out and and looking around and seeing what other other people are doing and have a few solutions mm -hmm. uh, for pastors and then grab a hold of the rope. You know what I mean? In, in the tug of war here, because, mm -hmm. um, yeah, everybody just has 24 hours and the pastor's got a lot of things they have to be doing. So, yeah, um, I'll and, just that say that. Is, and that is one thing that we're available for churches if if people are wanting like um like just someone to sit beside them and develop a strategy. Mm -hmm. We have something called the sexual health evaluation, uh, which is like simple survey to just look at some key areas that we feel like communities of faith really need to have in place in order to have sustained sexual health. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and so you can look at that as a team. You go ahead and do that on your own. It's a free like downloadable file, mm -hmm. or you can reach out to us and we can go through that, you know, with a church team. Um, yeah. Just to be like, because it's like, I want to, but I don't know the first step. So then yeah. we can sit with you, you know, and uh, make a make a plan. So cool. Yeah. No, that's really good. We'll we'll make sure we put a link in the show notes to that because I think, um, yeah, I think people would really benefit from that. I wanted to ask you a, a specific question, Bonnie, because you were talking about children. Uh, and I think we know how even just centered that is to the gospel. If you look at the life of Jesus, children were certainly a passion of his. And he talked about like, unless you can become like a little child, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Like we know, we know how important it is. But mm -hmm. I, I know a subject you guys are particularly passionate about is helping um, kind of, I guess on the, I think, I think the words you use were raising porn resistant kids, something like that, uh, really brilliant language. And I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about that part of it. And I don't know if this is in conjunction with the local church or how the local church plays a role, or maybe it's separate and a little bit more focused on the family unit. I, I'm not sure exactly. Um, but I, I would love to hear more about that because you're talking to either current parents or future parents. And I think it's just natural when you've fallen short in an area like this and you know how debilitating it can be, naturally you want to prevent your kids from making the same mistakes. And I think even though the intent can be there and the desire can be there, we're not necessarily equipped to actually do that very well. Mm -hmm. And I would love to just hear your thoughts a little bit on what it looks like to raise porn-resistant kids. Yeah. Well, sure. Let me start with what, what you said there. Is this in conjunction with the church? And I would say yes, absolutely. Um, because 
Okay, so right now there's a move within our nation, and I would say the Western world, that's basically saying the school is supposed to raise your children. The government is actually going to raise your children and tell you what's best. And that raises some big red flags for me. Yes. Um, and so, but I would say in some ways that's crept into the church where mm. Christian families go, I don't know how to talk about this. So I'm just going to send them to Sunday school and hope that the professionals do it. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, no, we, as the church, actually our job is to equip the saints, the moms and dads to do the work of ministry within right. their own home. So moms and dads, you are and I'd even say grandmas and grandpas, aunts and uncles, anyone who is actually taking that role as a primary caregiver. Like, I love the word guardian. Like, we, we worry about sheltering our children, and then we forget that that's exactly what we're supposed to do, is shelter them <laughs> from yes. darkness so that they can get themselves strong so that the time comes when they must launch from the nest and they'll be ready to handle it. Right. So... Um, that's, and I don't mean shelter in the like, you know, helicopter parent, not in the creepy yeah. way. Yeah. Well, no, you it's know. a great, it's a great example though of like the pendulum swinging, isn't it? Because there were like the overprotective parents who were just micromanaging and way too much in it. And this is maybe even evidence of that, of like, we're so scared of being that, that we've just swung way too far to the other side and we're too loose about everything. Totally. Yeah. yeah. So we have, yeah. So we are really passionate about equipping parents to be guardians. Um, and so we, I mean, recently we we released a resource uh, called Awkward, and it's a, a six-session online course, free for viewers, um, that just talks, helps parents have confidence for these conversations about sex. And so I'm mm, um, in there, that's, it's not all about pornography, but it, I would, I mean, I think it, as you, you know, you guys do is like, this is a way bigger conversation than just mm -hmm. like, don't look at these things. Mm -hmm. It's about, yeah. you know, making, it's almost like laying a really good foundation for them so that if they are, if, when they are confronted with pornographic imagery, they have a place to say like, that doesn't look right. This, there's something about this that um, is distorted. It's, it, this isn't the way God designed a male to be or a female to be. Like it's, it wasn't ever meant to be a performance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, and so we had a, um, a circumstance. So we have six sons. Uh, and so. Wow. That, yeah. that alone. That, that's just this full <laughs> sentence right there. That's amazing. That's right. We can yeah. stop. Pause. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I never had pornography in my history, uh, but Brian did. And so this was, a, and this is an area that breaks our heart because mm -hmm. we know how um, addicting it is and how damaging it is to relationships, to families, to mm -hmm. marriages. I mean, we've had lots of conversations with people over the years, um, the destruction. So it was always in our heart, not just to help our kids, our boys be resistant to porn, but for them to actually rise up as protectors of mm -hmm. women and not mm -hmm. consumers of women. Yeah. And so that was like right from the very beginning. I yeah. think something Brian would even do often would just be, would say to the boys, like when he's going to work or, you know, gone for a weekend trip, like, okay, boys, like I want you like watching over mom's heart. Mm -hmm. Like make, like you guys are, mm -hmm. like make sure that you're serving mom essentially. Mm -hmm. huh. Which is what true masculinity really is about when we yeah. look at the life of Jesus. It's like lay down your life for the women in your life, you know? Yeah. Um, 
Jesus laid his life down for a girl named the church, right? Yeah. <laughs> so so that's like the language is like caring, looking, and then looking be, beyond the surface is a huge key that we um, talked about very young, right? From mm -hmm. when they're like two or three or four years old of just like, what's more mm. important, the inside or the outside of a person? Right. I mean, that key right there eliminates, um, I would even say eliminates racism, you know? Mm. It's like, wait, wait, is a person just what's on the outside or do we look to the heart as well? And so we, um, yeah, we just always say, look at, look in the eyes of a woman. Remember that she was once a little girl, mm -hmm. you know, and sometimes, sometimes girls get tricked and they, people, you know, she, they're told that their only value is what their body looks like, is what yeah. they're, what they wear or how many people they can get to look at them. Mm -hmm. But we are not going to fall for that trick. We're yeah. going to make sure she knows she's valuable for who she is as a person. And so if she's talking to you, man, just like look her in the eye and yeah. smile, talk with her, remember. Yeah. Anyway, so some yeah. of those conversations. And and that was all around, you know, by three, four, five, six years old, before there's, you know, hormones raging. Um, <laughs> and I think it was really eye-opening for me. We were uh, one day I had my oldest son, uh, we had gone to like a doctor's appointment we were just sitting in the, in the little office waiting for the doctor to come in. He's sitting on that, like, you know, paper that they roll out on the bed. He's just sitting right. on there. I can remember like the crumply sound, but he's just like looking around. And I saw on the wall in a little magazine holder, there was a, a cosmopolitan magazine there. He's maybe not eight or nine years old. And I see that the image is not actually that bad, like compared to what I know it can be. Sure. But it's like some midriff, some cleavage, but then the look on the woman's face, right? It's like, she's not actually happy. She's trying to seduce, you know? Mm. Anyways, so my, after not too long, my son looks and sees this image and he gasps. And I was like, like, what are you going to say? Right. And he goes, oh, mom, she's been tricked. And I... <laughs> I mean, like it was, it just touched my heart because mm -hmm. I went, here we go. Like he sees her as a person yeah, and she it. sees her not as the enemy, not as an object, but as someone the enemy has targeted mm -hmm. that yeah. she's selling herself and he could see it. And this is long, you know, long before there was, it was, it's not about sexual attraction. He could just see that that's not her design. Mm -hmm. And so I think that is what will make boys porn resistant. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. I like, um, you said something that was very aligned with, we just interviewed Joe Robertson. I don't know if you know who he, she is. Um, but she's, she's, you know, very much an advocate of the harmful effects of porn, uh, not from a faith perspective, but we got on this conversation about, you know, how to protect kids and all of this. And the one thing that she said is you have to, you have to teach kids to think for themselves about these subjects at a very young age. Like kids are way smarter than we always give them credit for, right? Mm -hmm. And she just talked about the importance of asking questions because when you ask questions, they get a chance to think for themselves. And you, in some of those examples, you're mentioning that, Bonnie, which I, I love. I want to ask as a follow-up because I think when, when you hear – like you guys make it sound so easy. Uh, and and also at the same time, you you do have this this calmness about you, which is – the one thing that I've always picked up in anytime I've heard a story or I've heard professionals talk about, here's how you talk to your kids. I know that the tonality and the body language and the calmness is so important. And yeah. we were talking about it earlier with someone who was experiencing gender dysphoria, who could observe in you this kind of peacefulness that they didn't really understand. 
And I'm, I'm kind of observing that again, as you even just discussed talking to your kids about subjects that, you know, could otherwise be pretty uncomfortable. Uh, do you guys have any wisdom to impart to the listeners who maybe are like, you know, I still kind of get nervous or like, you know, some families, like some people break out in hives when they have to have a difficult conversation or something like that, you know, like what, what can people do to start to get even just more comfortable having these? Cause I, I imagine every parent's going to hear this and say, yes, I want to do that. But I feel like, um, I feel like there's there's probably more to be said about how to do this in a way that's that's peaceful and peaceable and and communicates that kind of calmness to whether it's their kids or somebody struggling with an issue like gender dysphoria or the like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think there's probably a few different things. One of the things that comes to mind, and and again, like we've always tried to communicate, is that that this part of of well, sexuality in general is beautiful. Right. Like, and, and that's, that's the hardest thing for, I think for people in the church to really grab a hold of, like they can maybe intellectually kind of go, yeah, I guess maybe, you know, right. But like, no, but like God created Adam and Eve in the garden naked and they were not ashamed. Like that's, it's beautiful. Right. And so you actually have to believe that what you're talking about is not gross and it's, it's not meant to be God either, but it's actually a gift. This is a beautiful part that God has given and it's and it's an intricate part of of who we are. And I think if you can settle that in your heart, that this is not something because I I think a lot of parents, they run to fear and they run to apprehension about like what like what happens if this isn't addressed five years down the road. And so they become really reactionary. But just in the moment, if you can communicate the beauty of this aspect, but also at the same time, realizing that God puts a boundary around this gift because it's, it's also, it's beautiful, but it's also powerful. It has mm-hmm. the ability it's in its perfect design and its ideal design within marriage. It's meant to bind people together in great intimacy, but outside of that, it has the ability to, to uh, bring like destruction to one's soul and, and to people's lives. So mm-hmm. I, I would just say that, that like really, really purposing to walk through that and allowing that reality to really settle in your heart. This is, this is beautiful. This is a beautiful part of the human experience. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, and, and I think that's only going to help in your tone and in, and in your calmness and in approaching that. Even, yeah. With you saying that it's like, we're aware a lot of people have gone through trauma Mm -hmm. in this area that even, as you say that you might feel, you know, listeners might feel like a reaction in their body. They're like, no, it's not like it actually caused Mm. me the greatest pain, which is exactly why God is like, I know I like, that's, I never wanted that for you. Mm -hmm. That's why I put these boundaries. I I was very clear over and over. I gave instructions to humanity Mm -hmm. and they kept pushing and it was you. I was trying to protect, Yeah, you know, and I, I, I'm not taking away humans free will and I'm, you got hurt in it, mm-hmm. but this is the beauty of Jesus. We come back to it over and over. Is he's like, I have come to bind up the brokenhearted, you yeah. know, and I'm here to, you know, to give beauty where there is ashes. Mm-hmm. And this yeah. was the universe I was thinking about earlier this morning. It's like that prophecy in Isaiah 61 was spoken to a people who it was an older generation. Their sin had caused this like captivity and judgment over the land where like cities were literally burned to the ground. So when we Mm. say beauty for ashes, they're like, that is my homeland. Like that's my life is Mm. ash. 
And God's like, I know. And it wasn't even your fault. Like you're just reaping the ash of a previous generation's sin, mm-hmm. you know? And he's like, and I'm here to bring beauty to you. Yeah. And so that is the, how can we be peaceful as parents when we're talking about something that's caused us pain and trauma? Mm-hmm. It's like, you're going to need to exchange some of that ash for beauty. And yeah. it's, I mean, we're, we believe in a supernatural God and there's a supernatural process. Like there's practical processes too. Oh yeah. There's, you know, like there's, conversations and counseling and things that need to happen but there's also there's sometimes these divine moments of exchange yeah yeah and so i i see in parents you know when we you know speak at a church or something their parents are the ones meeting us down at the altar saying like i need help for the sake of my kids but the beautiful thing is the lord is actually meeting parents who want good for their kids, like parents who are going, I'm going to need healing in order to transfer healing to my kids or to like give them something. So it's a a good thing. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree. Can you, can you talk a little bit more about that? Because I know there's going to be people listening who are concerned that, you know, if they don't get their stuff together, they're going to pass it down to their kids. Or maybe if, even if they do get their stuff together, yeah. Uh, like you said, it's so easy for, I think, the the parent brain to be like, oh, I did that when I was eight. And then I became, I made all these mistakes, like got to nip it in the bud, like all the anxiety around yeah. it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what what can people do? Because I'm going to guess probably all of our listeners have fallen short in this area in some way, shape or form. Yeah. Sure. What can, what can they do to, I guess, to first of all, work on their own stuff, but then what does it really look like for them to make that transition into parent? Well, we've already kind of talked about it, I guess, but I'm I'm wondering just specifically about like, how do you avoid just not disqualifying yourself just because you've already made those mistakes? Yeah, it's funny. Like we've, we've talked about this before and with, with other people and it, and it's, it's interesting to me, the apprehension to talk about something because of someone's mistakes that they've made in that. Like we don't think about that really in any other area of life, but sexuality seems to be the one that goes like, oh, well, I've messed up there. So I have no right to talk about it. If somebody made, you know, horrible financial decisions in their life and then realized where they went wrong, like we would call them talking about that. We'd call that wisdom. You know what I mean? They're passing on their experience. And I understand that there's like sexuality is a, is a lot more, uh, it's, it's deeper into who you are as a person than just your financial decisions. So I understand that that breaks down at some point, but, but I would say like, like in, in my own story, I, I broke so many boundaries in this area. Like I really growing up, I adopted the world's perspective on this and it, and it reaped damage. I did damage. I, I, I hurt people who were made in the image of God. You know what I mean? Like I, I, uh, we use the term kind of predatory. I was predatory in, um, as a young man, because I was, I was seeing my sexuality and women, women's, um, I would see the design as women is strictly for the satisfaction, the satisfaction of male sexuality. That's, yeah. that's, that's the predatory nature within a lot of men right now because of porn, because of so many other things that are just shaping the way we think, but that was my upbringing. And so when mm-hmm. I talk to my boys about it, because, and again, this is different because my history is separated from my heart. It's not something that's currently going on in my life. So yeah. there's probably a little bit more Liberty to talk about that, sure. but I go like, Guys, like I, I, I acted upon everything that the enemy was putting before me 
And can I tell you about what it did in my life? You know what I mean? Like that, that this isn't something that we're keeping from you. Like God's, God's commandments are not burdensome. They're not meant to destroy your life. Like they're actually meant to protect you. And I can tell you, I did this and this is how it showed up in my life. Depression, confusion, like self-hatred, just like no vision, no passion, you know what I mean? For, for life. And, and I think when you're able to be healed from that in your past, if that's actually happening, then just being honest about the, the, the fruit of it in your life mm-hmm. is going to speak to the, to your kids mm. uh, in a way that go, Oh, wow. Like, you know, God's or dad's not perfect. Mom's not perfect yet. You know um, I can still see the beauty um, and, and the, the vision to, to pursue uh, honoring God with this area of my life um, in a clear way. Yeah. Yeah. Very well said. I mean, in that my dad, my dad's story was similar in that it it was full of brokenness before he came to Jesus as like a 21 year old or something, you know, before, and then he got married, you know, within a couple of years after that. And then my sisters and I were born and, but he probably not eloquently, you know, it's like Brian and I, like, we talk about this stuff all the time. So we're not tripping over words the way, you know, well, have, well, sometimes. maybe we still do. <laughs> you know, we do get a little nervous, you know, a little bit like clammy. Like, did I say that right? Um, sure. But I can imagine, like my dad, like he was not, like he was a horticulturalist. Like he's not good at talking about sex with his daughters. Like, you know, like, <laughs> but, but I just, rem- because we had relationship, he invested in us as people and he would linger with us at the dinner table and tell jokes and tell stories of how he was silly as a little boy and he would, you know, learn magic tricks and, you know, build us a dollhouse. Like there was, there was relational capital. It's like we trusted him. So then when he would stumble through his efforts to try to protect us, like, you know, he would say things like, I, I made a lot of mistakes, girls. Mm -hmm. And I, God's way is better. You know, like, (laughs) it's not like he, but we knew what he was saying. Yeah. And and we trusted him. And so there were, you know, when it came to drugs and, um, and you know, like sexuality, like I thought my dad cares about me Mm -hmm. and he's trying his best here and, and I'll follow, like, I'll listen to you, dad, you know? And so I think even for dads who are listening and you're like, I'm, I can't talk to my kids about this. Like, I'm going to mess it up. It's like, can you build a dollhouse? Can you play baseball? Start there. Yeah. <laughs> and then you don't, you know, then your words are going to have power. Mm-hmm. And yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Start there. It's really helpful. Yeah. It doesn't have to be perfectly done. And I don't, I don't know that there, I don't even know any of us know what perfectly done would look totally. like anyway. Right. Yeah. So, okay. Uh, just, just to kind of wrap all this up, we've talked about, you know, the local church, what it looks like to, to maybe for the local church to be active and thriving in this area. We've talked a little bit about how people can navigate these conversations, whether it's with their kids, uh, whether it's, you know, even just talking about like the education system and how that's, this is playing into it and just things we need to be conscious of. And now we're talking a little bit on the redemption side of it and how people can tap into that, whether you're on your own journey and recovery, whether you maybe are a parent who made mistakes in the past, you don't want to pass it on. And I guess I'm I'm curious for someone who maybe has heard all of this and just needs to take one step forward or wants to be a little bit more 
active in the conversation. Um, maybe somebody who's realizing, man, I've just been way too passive about this subject, or I know I need to do something, but I feel totally ill-equipped. Um, I'm just wondering if you can talk to people who are listening who feel empowered from this, but maybe don't know exactly what that next step might be. What, what would you say to them? Mm. I mean, one thing that was really helpful for us, I mean, maybe I should speak for myself. This is even when we were single, is that when this a message like this was presented to us, it woke something up in my heart. Yeah. But I knew that I couldn't, I didn't know how to communicate it yet. So then I actually, I remember we went, we had, there was a preacher that we knew and he had these CDs, sermons about these topics. And we, this was then when we were married and we had them in our like, you know, four door silver Honda Civic. And we like, <laughs> we were newlyweds and those CDs were just on repeat. Like yeah. it would just be like, wow, you know, you leave it, you just leave it in. And when you get back in the vehicle to go to the grocery store, you hear the next portion of the sermon. Mm -hmm. And it like, it was like, it was changing the way we were thinking. Yeah. Huh. Even though I couldn't say it yet. I was like, this is true and I need to hear more of it. So I would say that if you're, if you're like, I still don't know what to do, keep listening. Like mm -hmm. listen to this, the podcast, right? You know, like the other episodes, how many episodes do you have, man? Yeah, we're, we're hitting four, 500, somewhere around there. Yeah. There you go. Just keep listening. Keep listening. Yeah. Um, yeah. It is renewing your mind. Like there are messages coming at you from culture, from culture mm -hmm. 24 seven, yeah. you know? Yeah. So listen to something new. And then I would even say, start writing about it, you know, hmm. and start getting your thoughts. Mm -hmm. What do I think about this? Open up scripture, say, oh, God, like, can you show me from your word? Where do you, where do you talk about this? Yes. I would say as well, like that it has to be personal first, like any sort of action steps, like have to hit your own front yard first, like just, just you, not even necessarily as a parent not even necessarily as a you know church leader or anything. It's like, is this, is this hitting home in you? What's going on in your own soul? What's going on in your own life? Cause I, a, a good friend of ours said this to me once. He's like, truth is the only sword with no handle in the sense of like, <laughs> it's meant to be cutting you as you're doing, doing work with truth. And wow. I think where we've seen a lot of fallout, um, negative fallout is because people have tried to, use the sword in a way that's not cutting them at the same time. Right. Wow. So people, people have secret lives. People have, you know, a, they're living a double life here or they're, they're hypocritical in the sense that they're, they're preaching even the truth to their church or to their family and they're not living it themselves. Yeah. And, and I, and I think that's everything that we do has to come out of our own personal relationship and walk with the Lord and living this out. And I think here's the amazing thing. If we start like that, you're going to be really hard pressed to keep it there because it won't stay there. It's going to come out in how you parent. It's going to come out yeah. in how you lead. And it's mm. going to come out in all these areas. Um, but when, when it's just external in someone's life and not internal, it becomes legalistic. It becomes manipulative. It becomes shame-based, fear-based because it's, it's not actually rooted in someone. And, mm. and I think, I think that's what I would encourage people is just let it, let it hit home in your own life. What are some steps you need to do? Maybe, coming out of the darkness into light, talking about things that maybe have been done to you or things that you've done that are keeping you in shame, keeping you in isolation and in silence, yes. um, find healing in those things. And, and like your wholeness is part of the fight is part of the, the advancement of, of God's heart, 
uh, to win those who are far from him. And um, so I, I would just encourage people to do that. Yeah, this is amazing, guys. That's very, very well said. Uh, people are definitely going to want to find out more about what you guys are up to. What's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, well, we're on social media. We're on uh, Instagram and Facebook. And um, you can find us at The Union Movement, um, as well as our website, uh, theunionmovement.com. We have a lot of free resources, blogs, and links to our podcast episodes, and uh, all the way to stay in touch with us. So, Okay, amazing. Yeah, we'll put links in the show notes for The Awkward Course, uh, the sexual health evaluation, all of that. Uh, but guys, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for your time today. Oh, we're, we're thankful for the opportunity, brother. This has been awesome. Yeah, thank you. Well, I don't know about you, but I am so grateful for Brian and Bonnie. That was an absolutely amazing interview and uh, and really learned a lot. So here's what I want you guys to do. You know, we, we're having these discussions about sexual health, um, you know, healthy sexual relationships to be more accurate, I suppose. And, um, you know, I think it would just be a crime for you to listen to this and then turn it off and go on to your next thing. What I really would encourage you to do is go check out some of these guys' resources. If you do nothing else, just go follow them on Instagram. But I mean, the sexual health evaluation for churches is amazing. Uh, they have a free course for talking to your kids about sex. It's called the Awkward Course. We put links to all this stuff in the show notes. Uh, all their stuff is free. So like this is not an affiliate thing and we're trying to make money. This is just go grab these resources. They're amazing. You'll enjoy them. If you are looking for more help with porn addiction specifically, or you have some sexual misbehavioral issue that seems to repeat itself no matter what you've tried, then it might be time for you to get a system and a program and a community that's going to actually help you tackle the root issues. That's our specialty. That's what we focus on. That's kind of the mandate God's given me. And I have a video that explains my system and how it all works. And you can just click. There's a link in the show notes called Book a Time with the Deep Clean Team. When you click on that, it takes you to a video that just explains what we do. It's about 25 minutes long. Actually, I think it's 20 minutes long. And that'll give you a really good overview. And if everything checks out and it looks like, hey, you know, I think this be, would be worth exploring, then you can book a time. And if you watch the video and you're like, you know what, this isn't what I want, hey, no harm, no foul, no hard feelings. You can just close the window and carry on with your life. So the link is in there to book a time with the Deep Clean team. Uh, we'd love to speak with you if things move forward. But like I said, everything just starts with you watching that video and you can take it from there. Guys, in the meantime, hope you have an amazing day. Thanks again for listening. We'll talk soon. Bye-bye. Hey everybody, it's Sathya again. Thanks for listening to Unleash the Man Within. I wanted to take a quick moment to let you know about a free ebook that I wrote for you called The Ultimate Guide to Porn Recovery. It provides a basic framework for the recovery process and a few of my top tips completely free of charge. You can get it now at www.ultimaterecoveryguide.com. That's www.ultimaterecoveryguide.com. Now, if you've been impacted by the podcast, and you want to show some support in less than 60 seconds, there are three ways you can do that. First, you can leave a rating or review on your podcast platform. This lets people like you know that the content here is valuable. Secondly, you can share this episode with someone in your life that might benefit from the content. If you're passionate about helping other people experience freedom and success in their lives, this is one of the easiest ways to do that. And lastly, you can subscribe. I personally only listen to the podcast that I subscribe to. If you're seeking daily encouragement, guidance, and insight in your recovery journey, I highly recommend subscribing to Unleash the Man Within. Thanks for listening. I look forward to connecting with you very, very soon.
The information, opinions, and recommendations presented in this podcast by Sathya Sam and his guests are for general information only and should not be considered medical, clinical, or any other form of professional advice. Any reliance on the information provided is done at your own risk.